Welcome back to episode 18 of In Light of the Gospel. Today I'm talking to a rather new acquaintance of mine. I've known him now for the last few months. His name is George Giesbrecht. And uh, he's got a powerful testimony personally. But one of the things that we really focus on today is how he has been able to get involved with people who are looking to finally get free from serious, serious drug addiction. Like people who are willing to sell themselves, if need be, to get the next hit. And somehow... A few of them are getting free from this terrible, terrible plague. I myself personally don't know if I could have the patience and the time and the energy to pour into these kinds of people. As ashamed as I may be to say that, it, it would be too much for me to bear. I feel like I, like I, I want to I help people immediately. I want to give them something that they can do, something that they can understand and believe and walk free. But George has been pouring his life into people who despise him for it, who hate him for it who resist him and resist him and resist him, and then finally they break and they cave and they look for help. And he's been able to help now a handful of people himself personally, and he's been able to influence many more to go to a place in BC called the Joshua House. And it's helped people, uh, not necessarily the, the house itself, but the place has provided an opportunity for people to separate themselves from all their day-to-day -day struggles and their hurts and then get completely clean from the drugs for once and then they're getting the gospel. They're hearing what Christ has done for them finally and it's working. It's delivering people from their sin and I pray to God that these people would continue to walk that way because once your body becomes addicted to something, there will always be somewhat of an inkling for your body to go back that way. But the Bible says that the body of sin has been destroyed. And from henceforth, we should not serve sin because we are no longer slaves to sin. So I'm hoping that that will be the case with many of these people that George has been able to help. And I hope that you'll be blessed by this story. Perhaps some of you have friends, acquaintances, family members who are still struggling with this type of addiction. And maybe this will offer just a little glimmer of hope. That would be my prayer and uh, hope for today's podcast. Thanks again for tuning in and God bless you. I'm assuming we're born in Mexico. In Durango, Mexico. Durango, Mexico. Okay, yeah. we were from the Chihuahua Darp. Yeah, and I was, I was actually quite young yet when we, when we moved to, um, to Ontario. Well, we came and we, and we visited first. Um, we're here for a couple months, and then after that we, yeah, we went back for a little while, and then we came here and we stayed here. I haven't been to Mexico now for. It's got to be close to 30 years. How old were you when you came here then? 11 years. 11 years. 11 years old. So you went through school here in Canada. I didn't even go to school here. I only went to school here a couple of times after I messed it up at the school because I, I just didn't like school and I couldn't speak the English language and everybody was just picking on us. We're the Mexican Mennonites, right? Kind yeah. Of thing. And, and it just, that just That's felt, interesting. Like, it felt like, you know, I, I don't like school and I messed it up. I stole and just to make sure that I would mess it up. And then, of course, my dad was working for Walker Farms. And he somehow he got us there as a very very young as long age. As you can work. And they taught me how to how to drive truck right away and pick up truck and pick up stones in the field and stuff like that and work with yeah. the, with the cows. Well, I mean, we're going to kind of go back and forth in your story here quite a bit. But one thing you've told me recently that really is is amazing is that when you got saved three years ago, you couldn't really read English at all. No. Or read anything, right? No, because I, I never. You went never to got any education. Because even now, I, you have a little bit of a, a Mennonite accent. Like I can hear that you're from Mexico. But you've been here since you were a kid, yep. but no school, really. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah, and uh, I know a lot of people they're saying that I have a Russian accent. So that sounds kind of Russian. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I have never. I, I did go to Pantra College in Tulsa for a little bit for to do a little bit of reading and writing on there, but it, it because of work and everything, I couldn't really. And, Just couldn't focus yeah. on it. And and I'll tell you that the most where I have learned how to read was actually from the Bible. Now, in like, the last three yeah, years. Yeah, in, in the last three years. Before that, I was I was very poor. Like I mean, I and I hated reading. I hated it, and, and I never because I, I guess I never learned it. Right. Yeah. Like so you're here from 11 years old. You got a, a bunch of siblings. Yeah, we, I got um, uh, four brothers and one sister. And you're yeah. closer to the top. Of the I'm, the, I'm the oldest one. You're the oldest yeah, one. I'm the okay. oldest one from my family. Yeah. And so from young on, you were just pushed into work, 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 work. Yes. Yeah. And and I enjoyed it. I yeah. I was one of those guys. You know what? I wanted the hands on. Get me out of the classroom and I don't want in these the field. books. I don't want these books. I don't want to do this. I I hate sit, I hated sitting. I wanted to get out and I wanted to be the hands on person. And, yeah, and, and I liked it much better to go out and work than, than go to school anyway. Interesting. Because I, I hate I hated being picked on, and that was one thing that, that was happening a lot. When you did go to school, was it public school? Oh, yeah. Okay, and so then... Here in Stratfordville. And then they really made fun of Mexican Mennonites. Oh, right? yes, and it was very bad at that time. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times people talk about these marginalized groups or um, minorities that get uh, ridiculed and mocked or bullied and stuff. And we don't usually get put in that group, but some Mennonite people, they got bad at school. Like, they got constantly I, made fun of. I never got beaten up and stuff like that, but uh, always called names and stuff like that and, and always being pushed in the corner. Yeah. And we always had to go to ESL class, and that was always very, very embarrassing. That was the most embarrassing thing in my school. That like, And then be with the, the younger ones. Yeah. Here you are, an old person. You couldn't, or older anyways, and you couldn't do nothing. Oh, man. Sitting with the little five-year-olds yeah. and six-year-olds and stuff. Kind of kindergarten. So that did that kind of start to develop your your behaviors? I think it. I think it, in in ways. I think it got worse. It made it made things bad for me because I I think there was just anger that kind of built up and and yeah, it's just I I never trusted anyone. I never wanted to be with with a bunch of people or or anybody that I didn't know at that time. I know I just don't remember much of it from after. Um, after I left the school there, it was more just, you know, going to work and, and we, we did a lot of, lot of hours. We did, we did work a lot. We'd worked for Walker for, for quite some time. And then we moved to Brantford by Waterford area. Yeah. We worked for, for the Sitco farms there. Oh, okay. And yeah. We worked a lot. Of hours so there. did your parents have no concern whatsoever about you being educated and reading and writing that just never really came up? I, I don't know. I think they would have. But because I just had absolutely no care for it, I think they just kind of like thought, you know what, if, if that's just what he wants, if he wants to be a hands-on person, like that's... How about your younger siblings? No, um, I think from, um, not, not, I think that the oldest three, me and, and Abe and Henry, I think all of us were kind of all the same. Just go work. Yeah, but, but from Nancy down, like Nancy and Ben and John, they, those, two, those uh, three, they had a lot more education. I see. Yeah. Well, I see. And so here you were, old colony boy. Yep. Work, work, work. Well, actually, at that time, I should—I don't even know if I should even say old colony boy. Um, we didn't even go to church. Just didn't go. Yeah, because it was the church was far away. We didn't even. Especially really go. when you're out in Brantford. Yeah. But every now and then it was—you know—we did go. Um, but when I got older, as soon as I started driving, that's—that's that's when I started going on my own. And, to church. Yeah, and I didn't go to church more because of because of learning the, from the gospel. It was more. It, you know, people, learn, people and, and be with be with people and, and, and find, yeah. find friends. That was kind of a, a thing to go find friends. Or you could sit in the back seat there and just 
go and talk to people and find out what's going on and that they're, they're going to be doing in the, uh, oh, this yeah. afternoon. See where everybody's at. So did you have much uh, concept of God and who he is or anything like that? Or you just didn't really think about that a whole lot? No, I, at that time I never really, it wasn't really brought into us much. And yeah, never. Not a lot of fear of dying or anything? No, not at that time. I, I didn't even know any of that at that time much. No, it just, it was just living like, like a regular, regular yeah. person, I guess. And yeah. So did you get into a lot of trouble then? Oh yeah, teenage years. Lots. I we I I started drinking when I was when I was very very young. I I, I have stolen so much alcohol from, um, from people from my dad. Um, I stole alcohol from him, and yeah, it's it was very very bad. And I got into a lot of like very heavy drinking, and especially for me as a young driver, and then you know be behind the wheel and, and stuff. Oh, but yeah. at, at the same time, you know, you kind of didn't know. Um, what to expect and what you're gonna you know do but <clears throat> yeah and I also got introduced into pornography as from very young on I think I was only like probably 12 13 years old since I got the got introduced to pornography for the first and time and that just gets a hold of a young boy like nothing else yeah, right and yeah it was very very bad but even at that time I you know it was more of a not you felt bad after after you watch something, but then, you know, it didn't take long, you did it again, and whenever you had a chance, you did that, and at that time, there was a lot of magazines and, and, store, yeah. and stores and stuff like that, and of course, what do you do, and like, you try, kind of try and go there, and if you don't buy the book, at least just kind of go there. And, glimpse. Yeah. It's so destructive, and then, like, we've, I've shared so many times already, even on the podcast here, how accessible it is now, where... There's young kids that have access to their phones all day long, so, and they're looking at the worst stuff you can imagine. Yeah, so easily. And I, I actually got into into that from when I was young, like I said already. And, and not that I was like really heavily hooked on it, but it, I did it throughout the, the time until I got saved. And, and after I got saved, I put a dead stop to it, and, mm -hmm. and that was my very last time I did that. And, wow. yeah, and I, I decided that, you know what, enough is enough of that. So obviously, if you got married, old colony, you and Anna, that you must have gone through the whole baptism preparation classes and oh, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Did your parents start coming to church then too? Or? Yeah, they they came more often as soon as they seen that you know that uh, it's time to get our boys yeah. straightened out a bit yeah. and all that. Yeah, and at that time, then work wasn't as much. They might we weren't working on a farm as much, so there was more Sundays that were available because we were working Sundays and everything on on a farm um, in Brantford, and but then now that. That I got when I started getting baptized, and, and of course my brother was like right behind me. My brother he was right behind me. My brother Henry was not even too far off. He was a year later. Um, yeah, me and my brother. I think I'm not even sure now if we got baptized the same year or not, but it was very close. Anyways, my parents they lost three three boys. All got married. Yeah, I, my my oldest two brothers got married the same year as well, baptized, in this, and they were only 18 and 19 years old. So it was like what in the world? Yeah. For me, they seemed grown up because I was a kid. But now thinking back, my brother was. 18 for two weeks when he got married to his wife. Wow. <laughs> well, my wife was a lot younger. Um, How was, old were you? I was 21 when I got married. Okay. My wife was only just, just barely 16. So you, you, when you went through that whole process of baptism and stuff, were you then seriously considering God yeah. or was it just this no, is what you have I, to do to get this, married? This is what I, we have to do to get married and, and that's kind Answer of what Answer all the right questions, read the right answers. answers. Yeah, try to do the best to... And then, of course, with the confession, you... Yeah, you go, had to go you, before the preachers yeah, and confess to, your yeah, sins. And, of course, you try to do it as, as good as you could. But if you 
could get a chance to slip one or two things out of it. Of course, you would try not to say it, and then later on, you kind of felt guilty, and then you go back, you kind of go back, and you, you know. And then, I heard of sometimes those preachers would actually pry and say, "Did you ever do this?" I, I didn't have any of that. No, I mean, me neither. Like I, I never had that, but but I had quite a bit. Like uh, there's a lot of a lot of little things that maybe that was I shouldn't have had to share or didn't have to, but um, but that was kind of what what we were taught. You know, we, we have to confess to them, not to God. And, and at that time, I, I tell you, I, I never confessed anything to God. I, I never prayed, you know, before I I go there or anything like that. Like, the, were you like, were you in the habit of praying prayers though? Well, just our Mosmichtiza, yeah, and Falter. yeah, and then the, the whatever we used before we eat and yeah. stuff like that, and and that was it. But not not that I that I knew what what I was saying. It was just it was never from the yeah, heart. That's right. It was just something that we were taught that that's what we got to say before we eat or before we go to bed or in the morning when we wake up and, and that's it interesting yeah and so I, I'm, a lot of the guys that i talked to that were raised in the old colony they talk about from very young on being afraid of dying being afraid of hell being conscious of god and worried and kind of scared and going to bed crying sometimes not knowing you didn't have much fear of god or apprehension no it was more after after i was married yeah that's when it kicked in and that's when when me and my wife started going to church a lot more often Okay. And then because that we kind of went to, to church more often, then um, I became a Sunday school teacher very shortly after. I mean, well, a couple of years after we were married, and yeah, and that was kind of um, starts to put I a weight that's, on that's, you. Right? That's when the weight started coming down, and that's when I really, you know, looked into it, and yeah, that was that's when it when it started. And but then then again, it wasn't. It was very on and off, and it was still. And you were still drinking fairly heavily and yeah, into at, pornography the whole time? Yeah, at that time, no, I wasn't into pornography that much. It was only like, I think like four, four or five years after we were married, where it started going back again. Like at that time, I didn't do it, you know, every now and then a little bit. But yeah, it was like four years after we were married, that's when it kind of went in more and more. And, you know, at times it was pretty bad. Depending, I guess it was kind of depending on how, how I felt, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your your family, like we don't need to dig up any, uh, you know, point out other people's faults or sins or anything. But would you say that your family was a happy family, or were you guys did you fight a lot amongst each other? No, um, me and my brother Ben, we have we have fought quite a bit. Um, yeah, we were yeah we were not on very good uh, good terms um, with your parents. Things were pretty good. My parents, yeah. There's like the, the little things, like the normal things, but not that there was like huge um, okay. fights or that where I moved out or or where where I you know smashed a car or whatever. No, yeah. or anything like that, or smashed a wall or anything. no, no, n nothing like that. Okay. Yeah. No, I had never had that much. So then let's take it back up to where you started becoming more and more conscious of God. You're married now, and you're starting to think about your responsibility <laughs> and the weight of teaching children, and then also having your own children. Like your oldest is now twenty something. Twenty years. Yeah. <clears throat> she's twenty years old yeah, now. She's twenty years old. Yeah. And yeah, when when she was born, that's actually when I stopped smoking. I was actually st I actually smoked since I was eleven years old. Oh man. I was I was like a like a heavy heavy smoker till uh, starting at, at about eleven years old. You must have seemed like a man to other kids, right? You quit school at eleven, started smoking at eleven. Well, <laughs> well, I tell you, because my dad, when when we lived in Mexico, my dad he he was always working for 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 the Spanish people. So he was gone a lot, and and we didn't have it that good. So my dad had to kind of work, kind of with the Spanish people to to bring more money in, right? 
and so I was kind of pushed into being the man of, of, of the house a lot. That's when you were still in Mexico. Yeah, that was still when I was in Mexico. And that's when I started smoking. So, well, if I'm a big man anyway, so might as well start smoking, right? I see. And I, I smoked always since Kelly was, uh, our oldest daughter was born. And I said, I never want any of my children to see me smoke. That's and, amazing. And that, was, and that was the last time. And, and we, We've raised our kids so much different here now. Like I think about my son, the one that just came in the door here a moment ago. He's 10 years old. Imagine him at 11, like he just seems like a little kid, he's so sheltered. And sometimes maybe we've done it too much. Like the previous generation, they knew how to work from young on. And Where some of these kids now, like they don't know. I've tried to, like my oldest son, he's a good hard worker. I really appreciate him that way. But it's like we're, we're raising them in a totally different oh, environment and yes. culture than what you guys were raised in. Absolutely, oh yeah. And it, and it was, you know, it, it was easy. It was easier, but at the same time it was hard. Like, like it, was, it wasn't that... Uh, you know, milking cows at a, at a young age like that—that's hard tell work. You, that's hard, very hard. I used to read a lot of uh, cowboy books, and um, many times the the father of the home would leave the farm to go to the nearest town for you know a week or something like that because it took a while to get there. And he would turn to his twelve-year-old boy and say, "You're the man. You take care of this place." And the boy would, you know, you know, this is me. I'm taking care. And all of a sudden, he's a young man. Yeah. Where now, twelve-year-olds, they're just little tiny kids. Nineteen-year-olds are considered little kids anymore. Absolutely. Right? And there's a lot of them, even at nineteen years old, they, they still don't even know how to work. Yeah. And and to me, it's kind of like you know what? That's kind of too bad because they should be taught how to how to work already at a, at a more younger age, right? And but, so when when we look back on our history and our parents, the upbringing that we had, there's a lot to criticize. We could kind of be like, this wasn't right, that wasn't right. right. But when you look at some of these things, we can't help but just say, man, I'm so thankful that I had this opportunity, even though. You probably now wish you would have gotten some more education. Oh, absolutely. But at the same time, you got the ability to work and you have the know-how. You can do all kinds of things. You're very, you know, creative with your hands and stuff like that. So. And, and I do. I, I try to get into pretty much everything. Whatever I, uh, looks looks good to work or whatever, I, 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 I want to do it. And, and I'm usually the, the person that, you know, yeah. I, when somebody gives me an owner's manual or whatever for, for any of any sort... That's the first thing that goes into the garbage, first of all. <laughs> I figured I'm, I'm going to figure that out in a different way because I hated reading. I, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I did it just, you know, myself. And I'm a heavy equipment operator right now. And, and all those things, I, I figured out on my own. No on education my own. in that way, too. I never, never went and got any training or nothing. Some of, the, some of the smartest guys I know, like I think of Pete Wolf, for instance. You know Pete Wolf? Oh, yes. Yeah. The guy's like super smart. He's yeah. figured out so many. He's built a really nice company. And he's very, you know, well off because of it. Never had any real education. No. He still still struggles with reading and writing, but yeah. I mean, my intellect I think pales in comparison to his. I think he's much smarter than I am in many ways, right? I just got a little more book learning maybe or something. So, mm -hmm. yeah, <clears throat> and that, and that's just kind of how it how it was with me. I just I just wanted to do the hands on and and I wanted to get into it whatever I could. Like I wanted to learn like lots. I I didn't want to be just stuck to one thing and then and then, yeah. and then that was it. That's cool. So then Kelly was born, and you quit smoking because of her? Well, I just did not want my children. My wife always never liked it. She's like, I, I don't like the smell. She, she just she didn't want me to have that. But it I felt just, dirty or yeah, sinful. Yeah, and it always stunk. And, uh, and then at that time, it was already, it started being, you know, that you couldn't smoke in, in, in the house anymore. And I'm like, I'm not going to. This is, I, I, enough is enough. And I stopped smoking at that time, and yeah, never... Just out of sheer willpower, you just did. Yeah. It was hard before that. I had I had tried, but it never never fell through. I tried for you know three three days or four days, and oh, I'm getting get back, back to this. And then after that, you just quit. Yeah, and I quit. It was it was very hard, but but yeah, I just it stopped, and that was it.
So then you're then you the kids started coming. You had Kelly and then yeah, and then Mindy Mindy came and, and then Jessica and, and then Michelle and then and just boom, boom, yeah, boom, boom, boom. first first four <laughs> first four um, four girls and then after that was four boys. That's cool. Yeah, Marcus and Josiah and Carson and Felix came after that and yeah, that's uh, so we got eight of them right and now. The last you've been married for about twenty two years, twenty one. Uh, twenty yeah, twenty one years. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. And so, if your last son was born when? How old is he? He's just over two years. Just yeah. over two, yeah. okay. Yeah. So you got saved finally between the last two kids there. That's right. Yeah, I um, And I know when, <clears throat> and the reason where, where that came from, where I got saved, I guess the reason where it really hit me was um, when my wife got really, really sick when she ended up in the hospital. And she, um, the, the doctors actually gave up on her. They, they were saying that, you know, she's, she's not going to make it. And this is just... Four years ago? Yeah, it was four years ago. It was almost a year before I got saved. Uh, no, about three months before I got saved when that happened. And, uh, yeah, and I just, I knew because my wife, she kept on saying that she was saved. And, and at that time, I, I said the same thing. Oh, I'm saved. But but really... Didn't mean much. No. And, and I knew it in my heart, too, and like that, that I didn't even really know what it meant. I didn't really know what it even was, right, um, being saved. But I, I said it just to... Um, get people off my back. Okay. Uh, for example, at that time, I was hanging out with George Anson quite a bit. My cousin. He's my cousin. The guy that is now in Alberta? That's right. Okay. John Jansen's um, brother. And, uh, and I know at that time, he was, he was really into the, into the gospel a lot, and then he wanted to um, share the gospel with me. Oh, I hated him. I, I but just, he was in Alberta then already, right? No, not at, I, I don't think it was at that time. Or was it maybe, maybe it was before we were even... Uh, no, I'm not even sure now when it was, if it was maybe before we were married. Okay. But even then, I just, I did not like to hear about that, and I just wanted him to get off my back, so I just kept on saying, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm saved, like, yeah. just just get off my back already, right? And I didn't want to hear anything about it. And and, and he's not the only one. There's there's lots lots of people that, that you know, ask me, so what, uh, how's, how's the gospel? And like, um, and how, what do you think I'm about saved? Jesus? Yeah. And I'm like... Oh yeah, no, I, I, yeah, that's it's all good. That's just, uh, yeah, let's move on. I just wanted to talk, about, something talk about this. Let's not talk about this. You were still old colony. Oh yeah, yeah. And so, what uh, what was your wife sick from again? I know you shared with me. Yeah, before. she she had Addison disease. It's a very rare disease. Um, but when when she got it for the first time, nobody knew what it was. Like the doctors even, and they had to figure out what what's wrong, what's wrong with her, right? And she when uh, when she got she got them just going less and less and less and she started getting weaker and she lost she lost a lot of weight she was she was just like skin and bones and and you know when when you live with her like that you, you're not noticing that that how how fast yeah. things go down right and and I was working really like a lot of hours at that time yet too and and I don't know not maybe I was mean maybe being a little careless as well like I didn't really care for it should too be much, okay or, yeah it should be okay or you're gonna get over it sooner or whatever right but it just got worse and worse until the one one day when I was working in Ingersoll, all of a sudden I got a call from my daughter, from my daughter Mindy, saying you better get home right now because mom is is she's still breathing but but she has she's like her muscles are done like she has nothing she oh man and uh, of course I I rushed home and I carried her into the into the truck and uh, yeah that was that was that was very very hard and. Where were yeah. you guys living then? It, it, we were living in uh, Stratfordville. In this house yeah. now already? Okay. Yeah. And so then you took off to the hospital. Yeah, I took off to the hospital. Like 
like very fast and but they had already been doing some tests trying no, to figure at out at that time nothing yet. nothing this no, was her first at, at that time that was the first time yeah they had nothing yet and uh, yeah when i carried i carried her into the hospital on on the the nearest um wheelchair that i could find and i sat her down and and i tell you they they were testing trying to right away they're trying to figure out what was wrong Starting I, from I, scratch, I can't right? i can't i don't know don't know and then that's when they started working on her and and then they um, noticed that there was something about the Addison disease and we had no idea what it was and, and I think they were kind of new with that as well and that's when the doctor said and the nurses said you know what there's there's no chance she's got and her brain was swollen like it was around her brain oh, man. The, like the, all the x-rays and everything that they did and they said that there's swollen in brain and and uh, yeah, there was just a lot of things her her adrenal glands they were just they were so damaged, like very, wow. and they, which they are still. So yeah, she's on medication oh, yeah. for life now. Oh yeah, she's gonna be on medication for life, and uh, yeah, and then at that time, that's when I realized, you know what, I, my wife, I know she's been saying that she's saved, and and I trusted it, but that's when I questioned myself, you know, if if she's gonna go to heaven, what about me? And that's that's when things kicked in, and yeah, and right in the hospital there too, I'm like I'm like thinking like, wow, like, uh, like what what am I gonna do with this and. And that's where, <clears throat> where I started praying more, and and I asked people to pray for for us as well. And but even that was still hard. It is like I wasn't used to that. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't. Um, Almost feel kind of hypocritical, maybe. Even. Yeah, but at, but at that time we didn't go to the all calling anymore, so it was a little bit easier already. Um, we went to the the CNC church just down the road over here. Yep. Um, that's when we started going there. But we still that was very fresh, still very new to us. And yeah, were they, were they preaching the gospel there? Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, they were like that was very very good, and we learned a lot from from there. Um, it's just uh, to us that just felt like that we needed to move on, and, and then that's when we started going to the to Springfield. At, at what point though did you start to see Jesus, the cross, and and make a connection? Well, that it was about two months after my wife got home from. Um, um, from the hospital somehow she pulled through eh? yeah she did pull through and and I and when she did when she woke up she was like woke up and she was like ready to go home and um, the um, uh, the doctor said when she's gonna wake up she's not gonna be normal like the things are not gonna be not gonna be the way you think they're, they're gonna be and I was okay with it as long as she would just you know you know wake up right because I wasn't ready to lose her yet yeah and um, your kids sure weren't. Yeah, and all the kids were were still around. That was, yeah, that was very. That was before um, Felix yet when yeah, this happened. That's right. And uh, yeah, and then um, when she did all of a sudden wake up, uh, wake up. That's when the doctors they're 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 like freaking out. They're like, what's going on here? She's on so much um, of that uh, medicine that makes her stay asleep. Yeah. And they're like wondering what what's happening here. And she started just waking up, and, and she's not she wasn't supposed to be waking up. Hmm. And then all of a sudden they, they called the nurse and they said that should we put uh, should we uh, give her another another needle? No, they, they the doctor said no. Let's let's see what happens. Let's see what's what's going to happen. And she started getting better and better. And then all of a sudden they, then there's a nurse that that came in there. And she's like, you know what? We have no idea what has happened here. What has gone on here? 
But this is a miracle. She should have had brain damage. Oh, she yeah. should have been down and out for months, maybe, yeah. or if it, she, it, she made it at all. It, but they made already arrangements with me that to stay at the hospital at uh, Ronald, Ronald McDonald because they said that you know she's gonna stay here for for a long, long time, <laughs> and and she didn't. I think it was just probably barely over a week that she was there, and, wow. then, and then we went home. So this all started leading into you like two months later. You said you started to recognize. Yeah, and that's when. Um, uh, my uncle from uh, from Texas, he's already he's already passed away as well. Um, that uncle, he he was sharing with me with with this man's encounter, and I'm like, I, I don't know what man's encounter is. And at that time, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to get into anything because I, I, I didn't want it. I was too scared to to for people to teach me the wrong things, right? And, yeah. and people talking bad about men's encounters and stuff like that. I wasn't sure, but I thought, you know what? What do I got to lose? I so I'm I went. Um, after he had long talks with me and tried to convince me. Um, so the very first encounter that, uh, that they had, I was supposed to be going, but then there was a family gathering that, that was happening at that time. And then I kind of, uh, kind of brushed it off and kind of, ah, that, that's okay. It's a good excuse yeah. to not have to go away. And then when the men, the next one came, which wasn't even that long after the next one came and that's when my uncle really, really pushed me and he really wanted, wanted me to go. And he knew that I had a little bit of interest already. So he says that, that he, he thought, you know, that was going to be an easier way for me to, to go. And so I did. I said to him, yep, okay, sign me up. I'll, I'll go. Yep. And uh, when it came closer to it, Satan just attacked me. I tell you, that it, it just attacked me so hard. I was getting so angry. Even a, a couple of days before that, I went in the shop and I tell you, I, I was so angry at my family. I was so angry at everything. I And... When I look back now, I don't even know what I was even angry for. Like, what it was, was why? Was anger a pretty big part of oh, your life? Oh, yeah. I've, I've always had a lot of anger problems. Lots, lots. Oh, it was always very bad. I, my kids, my wife were always, they, they were very scared of me. Yeah. Were you abusive? Somewhat, yeah, but, but not, like, like very bad. There's, there's a couple of times where I had really, where I did hurt my, my wife, where I pushed her against the wall and, Kind of put my hand against uh, against her throat, right? Yeah, Pushed her against, and, and that's what alcohol does, right? Anger and alcohol that both together, but that was more before that yet, before she yeah. she got sick and when we were still younger, yeah. That, but then after that, you kind of felt bad, but at the same time, uh, it, it was almost like you know didn't take long. The same same thing kicked in again, you know, drinking again, and then of course get started getting angry and. Yeah, that was that was. So you'd be bad. heading into this whole uh, men's encounter thing. I'm not familiar with how those things work, but you you were pretty angry leading up to it. Yeah, and, and then my uncle, of course, he 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 WhatsApp me again. He says, "So George, you're 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 going to a men's encounter," and and then at that time, when the last time when he did call me, it was uh, like I think it, two days before. Yeah, two days before that. And I at that time I made up my mind already. I'm not going. I'm not going because I was just so angry with everything that was happening at home and with and with myself and everything. I was just so angry, and I felt so dirty and and just I felt like that I was just nothing, anyways. And, hmm. and then my uncle, of course, it, I, when I went into a shop when I was so angry and I just tossed things and tables went flying. Everything that I could get on my hand, I just just flying. I hit my hand. I hit it on on the table. Yet, I hurt myself quite a bit. I never did anything with it, but oh, I, I just. And then all of a sudden, while that anger, everything happened, all of a sudden I got a WhatsApp message and I took my phone and I, and I, I was just, just about going to smash it because I didn't even want, I didn't want nothing anymore. And I just grabbed my phone and I was going to smash it. 
and then I seen it was my uncle Henry and I'm like oh boy how am I gonna explain this to him like he has no idea what I'm going through and I know what he's doing I know he's gonna ask me to go men's encounter but if I'm not gonna answer and he's gonna call me I know he will mm. and um, so I listened to it and then the first thing that he says not yet <laughs> that's right to the men's encounter for he always kind of talked a little slow he had a very deep voice all the time and I'm like no I'm not going I didn't say that in the, I didn't say it to him but then I'm like but if I'm gonna tell him that I'm not going oh boy that then he's he's gonna be very angry you've been telling him for so long that yeah. you're going to and now to say again that you're not going to but then I said to him, all right, yeah, I'm going to go. And, and even at that time, my wife wasn't happy with me at all. I not not good at all. My whole family, they were all scared of me. They, they would rather see me gone than, than be in that. It was that bad, eh? Oh, yeah. And uh, so I ended up going. So that was that, that, that weekend, or yeah, that weekend that came up there, I, I ended up going. I had no idea. I never asked anybody. I had no idea what Men's Encounter was or, or anything. And, and it felt all, all together, it felt very awkward. But um, now looking back, it was it was a good thing, and I was there. Well, we went there Friday uh, Friday afternoon already um, to the um, to the place where we were all meeting up there, and uh, yeah, and then I I didn't seem much like I didn't seem like there's there anything good um, that was gonna be there, and but I just stuck it around because I couldn't leave anyways, right? Because they they kind of made sure that you know you go with the bus, so you couldn't just you know jump. Can't in just hop in your vehicle and take off. Leave right. So I so I stuck around, and then Friday night, Friday night already. Oh boy, all the uh, testimonies that I heard and, and, and the teachings that I heard, and, and these were guys that they, they, they had really practiced this, and they really knew how to how to how to get into to people's hearts, right? But man, did I feel heavy Friday night. I didn't barely slept at all that from Friday to Saturday. I, I barely slept anything, and just talking to people and people are just you know, sharing their stuff and, and, and the, the people that were serving they they're like you know trying to get into your heart trying to see you know what, what where's uh, where's your problem what's what's going on so you start to that, feel lots but of at conviction. that time I, I admitted it already that you know i'm not saved <laughs> like all these things that you guys are talking about here all these all that and i'm like no way i this this i'm not saved and and i and i mentioned it to one of the one of the guys and they're like well well uh, let's see what happens uh, during this weekend and of course, then it was Saturday morning came up, and wow, there's some very, very um, good teaching, very hard teaching with that, and and that's uh, that's where it all kicked in. And then it was Saturday around um, it was around two thirty in the afternoon. That's that's when when God says, you know what? I think you I think you got all of it already, and you heard enough. Now it's time for you to to change. And that's when my heart just it was just so heavy, and um, it was the the weed guy that that passed away um, on a plane crash. Yep. He's the one that came and talked to me. I, I just started crying because I just felt so horrible of all the things that I that I did and, and everything that that was going on. I just I just felt so bad. I just started crying like like a little baby. He started coming up to me and he asked me what was wrong. I'm, I'm like I don't know. I'm just I, I feel like I'm I'm just nothing. I I I feel I feel just. You pretty much came to the end of yourself. Yeah, that was that was the end of yeah that was the end of the rope. And then he asked me if he could pray for him, if he could pray for me or pray with me, and I said yeah. And then he's like, hey, how about you? Could you come come with me? And then they, they took me off to the side. There was a couple other guys, and uh, of course they laid hands and started praying. And and he was uh, uh, Mr. Weeb. He was sharing that you know how how you can get saved and, and all that. And 
talking about Jesus yeah, and the cross and yeah and, and that's where I I really um, took it on and and that's when I all of a sudden I just I just sat down I just kind of fell back and I and I just looked up and I said Jesus just take me just take me just the way I am and I, and I just I, I was so weak I was I, I, I had no physically power. weak yeah I had no power and I said just God you, you know what you want for me and I will I will give you my life just 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 take me just the way I am and I want to be better from there on and and I and that's when things just got lighter and lighter and and things just went a lot better from there on and was and there was there a deep connection already with the cross and recognizing that you know what he did on the cross oh, was I, now affecting you yeah and, and I, before like before that when I just started coming to men's encounter I, I never knew what you know what the what the shedding of the, of the blood was you know and I learned that right there in that little while because Jesus had poured that blood for you and, yeah. and that is something that's what he used to 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 wash me clean and and that's and, you know he did this for me and and that's that's where it really kicked in because that Jesus would have done that like for me really mm -hmm. and and that's and that's where and that's where awesome. I took took that in that you know he did that for me and now I I just need to live for him and and I need to get saved and and that's when I and then I, you started reading the book finally try, yeah. trying to figure out how to make out these it, words eh? it, I wasn't really reading um, it was more listening. Okay. I, if, if I could get in, in, in an audio Bible or whatever, I, I was listening because at that time I, I couldn't even read. Still, I, I didn't even I couldn't even read. I, I started the, to learn how to read at, from that point on. Yeah, yeah. But it was still very hard. And you know, when you're starting to read, and, and you know what, things don't really make sense, and it's like, or if it takes a little bit longer, then it's like ah, you're better off just listening. Just put it off, and then and then you started listening. But I knew I I, I wanted to read the Bible more, and, and that's when I started reading more. And, and I actually learned how to read just from the Bible. Before that, I never even knew how to, how to read much. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's where I accepted um, the cross, and that's where, um, where things were different, and, and that's where I, I let go of my pornography. Um, my drinking, I left it at that time um, until uh, shortly after, uh, probably about a half a year after, I, I started drinking somewhat again. But um, then after that, it was just kind of, um, every now and then it was more like just a weekend thing every now and then and <clears throat> but never never to excess no. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't remember that I got anything like very heavy into it or hmm. anything like that no some of you guys that are watching probably watched my conversation with John Fair uh, John Fair is your brother-in-law your that's married right. sisters right that's right uh, your wife is older no my wife is younger than your wife than is than younger Lina. than John's wife okay. yeah because uh, yeah Lena is uh the oldest, actually, the oldest girl. Okay. Uh, there's another boy that's that's older than, than yeah. her yet. So, um, you were the one, one of the ones that were very responsible for trying to help this guy out. But trying to help a serious drug addict is like pulling teeth, right? Like, what do you do? Yeah, but that was more. I was helping him out, but I, I think I was more making him angry. Yeah. Because this was more, even from before I got saved, I, I was trying to, trying to, to, to get, get him out of the drugs. Because, because Lena kept on calling us and saying, you know what, we got to do something with John. You know, he's not home again. He doesn't come home again. He's, he spent the night again. And, and you know, and he, he ended up in jail a couple of times. And, and he, he was kicked out of the house a couple of times. And, and he wasn't home for like, the, it was like, I think it was almost three years yeah. straight that he wasn't at home at all with his family. After an altercation and the yeah. police got involved yeah. and all that. And he was so heavy into the drugs and, and all that. And uh, that's where I got kind of involved. I wanted to help him, but I didn't know how. Yeah. So that, it dragged on and there's times where it got a little bit easier and then 
at times that it got hard again. With, with a guy like him, it was always kind of like, oh, maybe there will be some change. Maybe, yeah. he, like I know Tony, his brother, tried to help him out quite a bit, and there would be times where he'd be like, I think maybe this time John's going to yeah. change. And, and, it, and it did feel like it too. Yeah, but John told me that one time smoking meth, and he was completely hooked. Like his body yeah. demanded it. He couldn't live without it. And, and I've been, uh, for all the guys that I've been uh, dealing with and, and trying to help, they all say the same thing. He's like, it's just, it takes just a one time with the crystal meth. It takes one time after that. It's like the feeling that you get and, and all that you, you're hooked on it. Hmm. And, um, I have never, never done any of that kind of stuff. So I couldn't, couldn't say, but, but just, it. just by hearing from these guys and from what I've been involved. Yeah. Um, but with John fair and uh, it just, just got worse and got worse. And then we, uh, we started going to, uh, uh, to a church in, in Springfield uh, church in Springfield. And then that's where, um, our pastor John Dyke kind of got involved him and his wife because I asked for help because they, they, they needed counseling because that's the only thing that I could think of at that time that they, they needed counseling they needed they need some sort of help right so we got them involved and uh, so they were counseling them because of course what did John say John said it's always Lena it was always Lena yeah. so John the John Dykes they were saying you know what well that's 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 counsel Lena then so we're gonna try and see what um, what we can do with her then if it, everything is just her fault we all knew already it what it wasn't sure. like that but because of John just doing that and um, and Nina got actually saved like almost a, I think it was the first or the second I'm not 100% sure now um, time they met that, that's what when, yeah, when I remember Nina hearing got. that she broke down and all of a sudden was rejoicing yeah. in Christ and... yeah and uh, and then I think that's where John uh, I think that's where he kind of got kicked a little bit wow you know what she got saved now and, and, and John knew the gospel. John oh, knew yeah, he was very really smart. Oh, yeah, he knew. Even before, when he was doing drugs, he knew. And, um, yeah, and then, of course, John Dykes, they found Joshua House. This is a, a place in B.C. that um, is like a rehab center for that's, hardcore drug addicts. That's right. Yeah, and, th and that's when they found that. And that's where, where we tried to get, to get John to go over there. But no Again, way. like pulling oh, teeth. Man, oh man, we tried. I remember talking to Tony quite a bit and Dean sometimes. And me and John. Tony and John, we all got involved. We all kind of got... Almost team up on him. <laughs> and we did. And there's plenty of times where we did team up on him. When we went to their house, there's normally the three of us that went there. And what's the first thing? When we go there, we waited there like sometimes an hour, 45 minutes to an hour because he was just in the washroom. He was hoping for us to just leave. Like he would, he would go and hide because he did not want us to... He did not want to talk to us, wow. and, and he, and then you know it just kept going like that, and we kept on bugging him. We kept on saying, you know what, we will. And and he was doing a lot of dumpster diving at that time, so he had a lot of stuff at at his house and everything. But that even that it was, um, it was just so hard. And then of course all of a sudden the one time, he messed up and he did it to himself. He went behind the the high school in, in Elmer, and uh, he. I guess he must have smoked up there again, and he fell asleep in the, in the vehicle, and the cops found him. And, and then he had to make a decision. You yeah. either get straight, or you lose your family, well, or the, something. Well, the police, they got children saved involved, just like that right away anyways, right? Yeah. And, and, and so then he finally kind of agreed to go, but even then, at last minute, he was like fighting. Like, I don't want to go. You guys are making me go. This isn't right. Yeah, and... and and at that time, I wasn't sure, you know, if, if the forcing idea yeah, was, what is it, the was right a good idea do, or right? was it not. And, but we just forced him, whatever we possibly could. Just Forced along with him, like he would agree to it, so then you would hold him to it. That's right. Like it wasn't like you're going at gunpoint. No. But you can remind him, like, John, no, you said you're going to go. Yeah, and now you, you change and your you mind. You need again. to for yeah. the sake of your wife and your kids. If you don't, your life is over. 
Yeah. <clears throat> and so you kind of pressured him a little bit with his own agreement. That's right. <clears throat> yeah, and then when, when that happened, like in between that, that's when I got Peter Gunther. Um, there was um, two other fellows that were working with, with Peter Gunther with, um, for him to go. And he's just a young man as well. He's not married. He doesn't have any, any kids or nothing. And uh, he was just a single guy. And, and that's when I got involved with, with him. And he was hooked and, on the same type of drugs? Yeah, same thing. And probably even worse, just as worse as John, or if not, maybe even worse. And he didn't work either. He didn't do nothing. And his, his parents were just, oh, they were just tired of them just, just doing the drugs, right? And um, so the first time when I when I went there, they, they asked me just to come and, and just just to see if we could convince him this. So there was because a, you'd been trying with John. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. And I wasn't sure what I was gonna do or what, but of course when we went there and the poor guy came upstairs and he was like all crumpled up like that and he lay down on the couch and right in front of us there laid on a couch and he was just in so much pain like he was going into withdrawal where where he was just kind kind of trying to get rid of it because he had no money he couldn't get any drugs. But he was trying to get money from people so he could get, get oh, his wow. drugs again, and he was so sick. He was just, it was so bad with him, and so I, so I, I asked him. I, I said uh, I said to him I, I, to me it looks like that you're going through a withdrawal. He's like he kind of looked at me like that. And he's like how do you know what that means? I said well I I, I do kind of work with uh, with another guy that uh, that I know a little bit, and and so I didn't want to say it was my brother-in-law or, or anything like that. So I just said I, I kind of work with another guy a little bit. I kind of see when, when he does the, the withdrawal and you know, what happens to them. And then he's like, yeah, I am. But he's like, right now, I just, I, did, I, need, I need my drugs. I need my drugs. And then, he's, and then I said to him, I, you know, I, I wish I could help you. And I said, I think I can help you. He's like, the only way you can help me is with, is with, with drugs. And then I said to him, well, I think that there, that there is a better way of helping. I, I said, I, I think so. And he's mm -hmm. like, what's that? And then he's like, rehab. I've been there. I've been to a rehab once already. So he had gone to Mexico, right? And he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't want that. And then I said, you know what? This one here's a VC. And I think you, you, I think you would like this one. And all, everything that I read, uh, found out about how the, everything worked over there. And um, so I said to him, yeah, I think you're going to like this. And then, of course, we talked like that for a while. And then right at that time, when I was talking to him, somebody delivered, delivered the drugs to him. Oh, boy. Right, right there and then. And um, so I thought, well, you know what? I don't, I don't think that this is going to work. That's a lost But he said, you know what? Let me think about it. That's all he said. Let me think about it. I'll get back to you. And um, so he walked out. He walked downstairs. And we talked to one of his other brothers that was also trying to help him as well. And uh, so we talked to him for a while. And so finally, I, we just said, you know what? We're just going to leave it and see what happens. And I don't even think it was a week after that he called one of the one of the other guys that, that were working with him right from the beginning, called him and said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready to go. Hmm. And then they called me right away too, and they told me, yeah, like Peter Gunther, he's, 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 he's ready to go. And I'm like, what? So you sent Peter out to BC before John before then? Before John, yeah. <clears throat> because John kept putting it off and putting it right. off. And uh, so he, he went there, and uh, <clears throat> he stayed there his, his three months, and after that, you know what? He decided he didn't even want to come home, come home. He's been there now for nine months. He's but just It's almost there. ten months, and he's actually working there. He's helping out with yeah. other. He's actually working one of the uh, one of the guys in, in, in uh, or he's working in the office. He is actually our German 
translator. There you go. He is the guy that's working with all the Because Mennonites there's a lot of Mennonites coming right, there now. Right now, there's a lot of Mennonites there. A lot of Mennonites that, that, that I have helped with and a lot of Mennonites that, that the other guys and a lot of them that we haven't even helped. Like we just, you know, put the, um, the word out, Joshua House. Yeah, everybody knows and now that yeah. that's the place to go. Yeah. So I know, <clears throat> like a lot of times in the Mennonite culture, you'd almost think that that drug habit wouldn't be so so prevalent, but it's become very, very common, right? Oh, so yeah. now when people start hearing that somebody else got free, and now you've almost become like the Ontario representative of Joshua House in BC, right? Where well, you're in contact with them quite a bit. Well, they, uh, oh, I, they know me already. Every time I call, they, they already know. Oh, that's George. And, and, and when I call Richard, Richard says, oh, hi, George, right away. Your he has me already in his contact, so he already knows. Well, what, do you, what do you got now? What do you got? And, and that's when I, when Henry Wall, um, I, I got him to go there too. And I had almost as a hard time with that guy than I did with John Fair. Really? Uh, John, like, he was one of those guys too. He, he, was, he was seeing things. And his wife was always very scared of him. Um, because he was seeing things, he was hearing things, and there was nothing there. And, and it, well, I think um, drugs and even severe alcohol use can often open the door to devils. Oh yes, devils come into those ways, in through those ways. Like they they refer to some alcohol as spirits. Even I don't know if necessarily every alcoholic drink has a spirit involved with it. But when somebody opens their their body up to that kind of takeover by a, a, a substance like an alcohol or a drug, they do open themselves up to spirits as well. So oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he was seeing actual devils and who knows what else. See, I never noticed that from John Fair as much, but I think he was kind of trying to keep it for himself. But with Henry Wall, and with him, I, I, really, I really learned a lot about that. And I, and I was actually kind of getting up to a point where I was getting kind of scared, like, like what's going on here? Kind of freaky. Like, he's, he's got something in him that, that, that it, was, it was very scary. And, uh, but I didn't want to let him know that, that I was... That I was Intimidated or of, scared at all? Scared. And, but uh, I got him to... Um, um, I tried to get him going, but he just refused. He didn't want to go. He wanted to go with his family. He wanted his whole family there then. And he's like, if I go myself, I'm not going. And, and he just stuck to it. And the, his wife kept on calling, you know, he's, he's doing that again. He's, he's very bad at that again. Huh. And it just kept on going and kept on going like that. And every time then she, she wanted us to come over. So me and, um, and uh, her brothers, we, we went over and we tried to talk. There's times where I stay there till like two in the morning. Hmm. And it was the majority side of the time it was outside. Uh, of course, a lot of mosquitoes and, oh, I, I can still see it. And he would just not give in, not give in. All of a sudden, the same thing. Jones A got involved. And that was it. He was at the end of the rope. He came right to my property or right onto our property. He came and he asked for help. Really? He's like, I'm ready to go. So the day that he was going to go out there, he rolled his pickup truck. Oh, wow. Actually, right on John Jansen's property. Oh, I remember hearing that. Yeah, he rolled his truck, and I think it was at 4 o'clock in the morning because he was already a little bit late, and it was wet, so he kind of lost control, and then that's where he rolled his truck. And then when that happened, I thought, oh, great. Yeah. Now he's going to say, you know what, I, it wasn't meant for me to go. I'm not going to go now. But no, when he came out of the hospital, I, went and I visited him at the hospital, and when he came out of the hospital, he's like, oh, no. No, I'm, I'm still going to go. He's like, get, get me another plane ticket, let's go. And we lost that money from the, from the plane because I didn't buy no insurance, right? And I bought those tickets and, and we lost that money because hmm. it was over yeah, almost $3,000. And he's like, no, I'll pay for it, whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah, just, just buy another, another ticket and let's go. I said to him, no, 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 no. Yeah, now you have to slow down a little bit. Let's get your truck out of the pound first. So you're not going to end up paying for that. 
let's just make sure that you are healthy enough that you're not going to end up in the hospital over there. Mm-hmm. So I said, let's, let's just wait um, a couple of days and then we'll go from there. And uh, of course, um, he, he agreed with it. So he got his pickup truck out of the pound and, and he got everything uh, kind of straightened out. And yeah, so he, and whenever it was um, time again, whatever we, we decided for him to go, he ended up going. And um, when he got over there, he was so extremely angry at me. He's like, what am I got, What have I got myself into? What did you do to me? And then, of course, because of all this COVID, right? So he had to, he had to kind of quarantine and he had to kind of be by himself. So there's a lot of things, yeah. a lot of time for him to Solitary think. Solitary confinement. And, and that's where he, and, and he was withdrawing at the same time with, with thinking about everything. He was just so angry, so angry with me. I only found that out after. He actually told me that himself. And... Uh, after he was there, I think for about three weeks, things started getting a little bit better. And then at Christmas time, he wanted to come home. And like he was, he meant that I'm, I'm coming He had home. been free from the drugs now for some yeah. time. Yeah, but, and, and he thought, you know what, I'm, I'm free with it, from it for so long. That was just not even quite two months. And then, uh, yeah, he's, he just wanted to come home and he wanted to come home. And uh, I just kept on saying, I, I don't think it's a good idea. And even if you come home, you can't even come and see your family anyways. Because the children's aid won't allow that, mm-hmm. and I made an agreement with it with the children's aid that because he was supposed to be out of the, away from his family for six months, but I made an agreement with the children's aid that if he is going to go to a rehab and if he's going to come back in three months, is he going to be able to come home to his family? Because if not, I don't think that there's any point in sending him to rehab. And uh, of course, they uh, they said, yeah, okay, we'll, he we'll, comes we'll back try clean. It. Yeah, if he comes back clean, if he stays clean, then he can come to, uh, come home to his family. And then they ended up moving to the kitchen area, and um, and they were still kind of dealing with the children's aid from from here from the St. Thomas back and forth. And and he comes home, and yeah, he's he's home now with his family, and he did stay till after Christmas. He uh, he wanted to come home for Christmas, and and there again, he he was very angry that he didn't. But now he's very thankful that he stayed there. And now time. he's free. He's been he's free, free from for a year. No, or only just, just since this past Christmas. Yeah, so he came home uh, January twentieth. He came. He came home. Wow. And from then he's yeah. And I just talked to him this morning. Again, I, I keep contact with him as well and with John Fair and yeah. So I'm trying to figure out what motivates you to do it because I've dealt with John Fair a little bit before or through Tony a little bit, and I feel like I would get so tired of it. I would just throw in the towel. But I, with John, I can see like you. You're his kids are your nieces and nephews. You know his wife is your wife's sister. So there's this this love of family involved. But now it seems like you've poured yourself into this ministry where you're helping people who are living in like how you know, hotel rooms with six other guys, and you're willing to put yourself into it and throw yourself into all hours of the day and night to help these guys. What motivates you? Why would you do it? Well, um, I think it it kind of started like you said already. Because I was, I, I couldn't see John, like the, the way he lived. And if his kids are going to end up like him, that's going to be like, that's going to just make it worse and worse. And so that's where I kind of got involved in that a little bit, right? And, and that's where I could just see, you know what, if I could help another person like this, and, and then everyone that I, that I have helped, um, you know, it was always family that was involved in that, right? And I'm looking at, 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 their, at their children, and I'm like, seeing, like thinking, you know if you only knew, if you only knew how much damage you are doing to this family, yeah, and and and, and with John, I, I I even said it to John plenty of times. I, I said it to Henry Wall. I, I have said it to him plenty of times. I said it to to Peter Gunther. 
Um, and, and of course, he didn't have any kids, but but his mom, his dad, like the rest of them, and um, and I could just see that if 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 it worked for John, and, and if it worked for Peter Gunther, you you know you can keep going. And I so have you started given, seeing some hope. And I had given up on John Fair plenty of times. I had given up on on, on, on Henry Wall lots of times. I, I just gave up. I'm like no. But then when I went home, it it, it it felt like you know God was still putting pressure on there. Like don't give up, don't give up. Mm. And then, of course, after a couple of days, it, it just kind of went back. And then, of course, what do I do? Then I, of course, I, I go back and I say, you start thinking maybe you know, there's a chance. Maybe though, right? if I go one more time, maybe this is gonna, maybe it's gonna do it. And then I go back, no. And then I, it almost felt like you know what? Now you got slapped in, in, in the face one more time. You go home again, and then you you felt so discouraged. Mm. And then every time, it, it just felt like you know what? God just wanted me to come back and just 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 talk. That's to interesting. And especially when when they call and, and they're asking for help, and that you would just just plainly ignore them. Um, I just I just couldn't do it. There was a, a preacher I heard years ago. He was saying he was trying to explain why. Um, the love for people is not enough. Like he said, let's say you're a missionary in a foreign land, say you go to Peru and there's this really a remote tribe who's never heard of the gospel, doesn't know Christ, and you love these people. So you go in there, you preach the gospel to them, and they end up beating you and throwing you out of the city. What's gonna motivate you now to go back into that city? It won't really be love for those people because they're cruel and mean and they've betrayed you and backstabbed you and they've hurt you. He says the only thing that can motivate you now is God deserves these people. God, Christ died for these people's souls, yeah. and who am I to say, well, they're not worthy of it, or I'm not going to con continue on? Like if if God gave Himself for me and pursued me to the point where I was saved, then even though this person isn't worthy of it, Christ gave His life for this person. So that that should be the love of Christ should constrain us, yeah. not so much the love for that person because that will wear thin. But if it's the love for the people that they're hurting and the love for God's glory. Then you can keep being motivated. Yeah, right? and, and that's exactly what happened to me. It, it just that if it wasn't for God, I I, mean, I would have given up a long time just, ago. But you but, deal with it yourself, yeah, right? Yes, yeah, do it yourself. But when I seen that, you know, and and they never went to church. Like for example, John Fair, they they never went to church. They never they never even wanted to, to hear the gospel at all. Mm -hmm. and, and and when you're on drugs like that, who wants to listen or hear the gospel, right? And who wants to even? And so many times where I went there, went to John's, and and, and I tried to preach the gospel, but you know, and it went in one ear, out the other. And there's other times he actually was sharing more than what I was. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm sitting there, and I'm listening, and I'm like, okay. You know all that stuff? And, and, and you're high right now. And I, I, I see that you're high, and, and you're, you're talking about it. And then I asked him if he was saved. And, oh, yeah, he was saved. And, and, he, and he was really strong. And, oh, yeah, he was saved. And then I, I want to know when, he, when, he, when it was that he got saved. Oh, when, when he was still young. And, uh, yeah. But he only got saved now when he was... Oh, yeah. Now, now you talk to him. He's been sober and clear for months. Yeah. And he is articulate. And like, he, I mean, he can speak precisely. He's not all over the place like a drug addict would no. be. But he speaks very plainly and simply. He knows what he's trying to say. And he, he asks He asks good questions. Like, he spent the last two weeks in our youth Bible school yep. with his sons. And he's paying attention. He's writing all the... You know, he's writing stuff down. He's asking questions that make sense. And it's like... This isn't anything but God, right? Like, that's that's right, and he loves sharing the gospel. And and anybody that uh, that is involved in, in drugs or whatever, he he's the same thing. He says, "I want to help people." And, and and right now, there's a lot of things that I think he kind of needs to catch up with, especially with his work and stuff like that. And he's got a full time job. Before that, he never even had a full time job or nothing. Right now, he's got a full time job, 
and and when he gets home, like like he's he's reading the Bible to to his children, which he would never never do before. And and same thing with Henry Wall, like he's starting to, to share the the gospel with his family as well. And and they they are still all colony people, and and you know for him to mm -hmm. do that to his to his um, children, yeah. it, it's just awesome. So I guess I mean the reason we wanted to have this conversation was partly to tell your story, but partly because. When somebody has somebody in their life that's that hooked on meth or some other really, really severe drug like that, it feels completely hopeless. Like there's no way they'll ever get out of it because their body becomes so completely dependent upon it that they can't function without it anymore. Like when I had already given up on John from a distance, I'm like, you have to almost force this guy because his body, he cannot will to get over it. And so you guys constantly pushing and pressuring him finally got him to the point where he caved. He went out there angry and frustrated and upset, but he heard the gospel and he, he himself understood the gospel. He already knew it yep. and he finally fully believed it and grasped it. He's been free from it ever since. So the idea of this with this conversation is it's not without hope. No. Like Christ can even free people who are in the grips of Satan who have their whole life messed up because of these drugs. That's right. And and just like these guys are saying, it, it is not because of the guys over there. It's not because of that the, the rehab center over there where, where they have stopped doing the, their drugs. It's just a it place is, for them to finally connect. It's the place in what they're being, being taught, right? And and, and, and explain the, the, the Bible. And, and the, that the Bible is your uh, the book for, to find uh, your strength to, to, to stay out of it too mm -hmm. and to get off of it. And, and, and it's very biblical over there and it's very they, like they really um, it, it teach the, the gospel to them like a lot well, that's cool that's yeah, yeah that's very encouraging because I know you hear of guys that are on the streets who are willing literally to sell themselves for anything they will do the most disgusting things you can imagine Absolutely. just to get one more hit one yeah. more hit one more hit and then to see somebody like that who cannot get free finally become free to, yeah to reckon themselves to be free from sin right is incredible yeah, and so far every every one of those guys that I have that have gone there and, and that have come back, they're saying that you know it's it's only Jesus that can do that. There's, there's, yeah, because there's there's people that go there. We've seen several go there and come back, and it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work, but but their heart wasn't there, right? Yeah. And they weren't willing to to give up yet, and they, because they needed to come to the end of the rope, and that's where you know you question quite a bit. You know, I, you know, you think it was maybe because they were too much pressure to go there, and but they need to come to the end. Yeah. And, if, and if there's a way you can help them to to get even farther, come to the end, um, I would even yeah. know, kind of encourage to to, to have that. To, to that's that, right? that's a tall order though for family to to not ever give up, never lose hope. You know, no matter how much they betray you, how much they hurt you, no matter how much they take advantage of you, no matter how much they've stolen from you, lied to you, to know that this is not really them. It's a drug controlling their body. They cannot do what they would want to do. And that's exactly how And they need the power of God to be free. That's right. And yeah, and it just it just takes patience. And and if you're willing to all of a sudden give that up, like that's it. You you're you're done. Yeah. And, and so you can. if there is people listening that are that are wanting to know more, do they contact you or are you a little overwhelmed at this point with people? No, I I would uh, be very willing to help them out and especially even uh, a lot of them, they could even do it themselves. All I would do is just you know, give them the website to go and, and, and see so Joshua, Joshua House. House. Do you know what the website is? Um, I, th I think if they just go Google it, Joshua House BC, okay. um, and I, I think pretty much everything yeah. comes up. Um, there's some really, really good testimonies on, um, on their websites on, on guys that have uh, came free or come free from that. There's, uh, and they, they don't deal with just drugs. They do, they do also with alcohol. There's, there's a couple guys that, that are fr from Alberta as well that I have helped to go over there and they were more in, in, in the alcohol 
and of course even from I never even seen the guys and I was gonna get a get a call from a, or WhatsApp message or, or a text message from someone that I don't even know I have That's no cool. idea who this person is but they, just by word of mouth and, and this is something it's not that I have to be there for them they can do that themselves or even family can help them but I guess it's probably because that, that they have heard that, that yeah. I have put myself a little bit involved in that um, it's uh, probably a little bit easier for them to just kind of ask me first and there's other guys they have asked me about it first and then they try to do it and then they go there themselves yeah which you know which that's is fine oh right? but they, but they do need it. some connections afterward right they need some good accountability people who they can talk to and and see that's what we have right now and that's what we do right now we have a, a, a whatsapp um, group where we have all the guys that want to be in, in it so we have them all in there and then we can talk about um, the, the, if they're also struggling or if they're um, or if they're feeling weak or if they need prayers like all they have to do is just you know say that you know what, what's going on and we're there for them and we have told each other we, we get together and we tell each other you know what if there's anything that you need don't be afraid to ask because if you don't ask that's where Satan's gonna attack you yeah you start keeping if, things if you in the keep dark. things to yourself that's where Satan's gonna attack you and then I just encourage them you know open up open up don't don't hold it to yourself just just and if you don't want to say it, talk about it, or if you don't want to say anything, just put thumbs down. Like there's something wrong. Then you know prayers are are, are very powerful. Mm -hmm. And and if there's a bunch of guys praying for someone like that, and and they do feel it, and, and they do know, and and if they really don't want to fall, and if they pray themselves as well, you know they just it just gets better for them. That's and, awesome. And, for, and especially for this Henry Wall, he was. He's not very good with his English as well, so he there's quite a bit that he did not quite learn over there. But but he has, yeah, he's gone, come out very very good. So well, that's awesome. Well, hopefully you guys all will keep George in mind as he continues to try to minister to some of these people. It's a tough work, tough job. Uh, if you have family members or fr friends or relatives who have been into this kind of drugs, don't give up on them. Nope. Continue to pray for them. Try to point them in the right direction. Um, but yeah, I think we'll close it there. And I really appreciate you coming around. Yeah, no problem. I enjoyed it.